It's Bibliovile, the terrible book exchange podcast where a wife and her husband get each other the worst books they can find. For this episode of Bibliovile, I read The Secret Power Within, Zen Solutions to Real Problems by Chuck Norris, and Mick read The President is Missing by supposedly James Patterson and even more supposedly Bill Clinton. Welcome to Bibliovile, the terrible book exchange podcast where a wife and her husband get each other the worst books they can find at a library or on Amazon or wherever the hell and make the other one read them. My name is Mick Dickinson. And I'm Susan Dickinson. And we are back here again a couple days late. Sorry about that. And a couple uh, dollars short, probably, when you think about it. Well, like I said, take this 50% off coupon. It's supply (laughs) chain. What are we going to, like, podcast supplies are in short. I know, it's Supply. just it's really hard to get all the materials that we need to create this listening experience for yeah. you. Yeah, uh, microchips. You would not believe how many microchips go into a podcast. Mm-hmm. It's just like, it's just crazy. The raw materials that we just struggle to find access to. Yeah. I mean, nobody wants to work anymore. No, yeah. Especially not podcasters. <laughs> it's a dying industry. It really is. Especially podcasters like us who make so much money on our podcast. Yeah, and Netflix is not going to come beating down our door anymore. I know. That, that big dive they took where they canceled all the good shows and jacked up their prices and now aren't understanding why they're losing subscribers. Yeah. I, it's just like, who just, could have seen it coming that some big name shows floating on no-name shows, low-budget no-name shows, supported by ads, was how TV should work. Hmm. I don't get it. That doesn't sound right. Yeah. So in either case, uh, we are here to bring you a terrible book exchange podcast, eventually. Uh, I'm pretty proud of, Susan, what you had to read. Uh, I'm pretty proud of what you had to read, too. I feel like... This was very heavily inspired by last episode, which oh, yeah. I gotta say was some of our best work. Oh yeah, just go uh, listen to that one. We can end it here. Just yeah, that's listen fine. to that one again. That one's gonna be better anyway. Uh, no, <laughs> we we referenced we referenced a lot of different things in our most recent episode, and two of the things that we made jokes about in the last episode we uh, pulled from when making our next choices. Yeah, so we talked a lot about ghostwriters in the previous episode. Mm-hmm. The idea that Miley Cyrus or Justin Bieber went ahead and wrote their actual books. That's not happening. Uh, so you got me, and I'll, I'll talk about it later, but you got me uh, the definitely written by these two people book, James Patterson, <laughs> who is able to crank out two books a month, uh, and <laughs> Bill Clinton, who is known for his fiction oeuvre. Uh, I, I think well, I mean, he, he is a really good liar. Well, he couldn't uh, finish a book when he has to figure out what the definition of is is. <laughs> <laughs> topical. So topical. No, this. so in the last episode, I think the joke that we made was about the book that was written by James Patterson and Hillary Clinton, which does not exist. Oh, It's wrong. James Patterson and Bill Clinton, so I immediately got it for you. Very nice. <laughs> and you got me. We also... Uh, Justin Bieber's book was ghostwritten in that weird time when we were in middle school and early high school when everyone made Chuck Norris jokes. Well, what if it was, was with that? If it was eight years later, it'd be bacon jokes. So, like, there's always something for unimaginative people to joke about. I suppose, but, like, why did weird people who don't it, have a it, good sense of humor fixate on Chuck well, Norris? Well, I'll be, I was a middle schooler, and middle schoolers don't have a good sense of humor. I made Chuck Norris jokes and thought Fair they enough. were very funny. Yeah. But anyway, so Mick got me... But I also made Simpsons references, so like it balances out karmically. And those are funny. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mick got me one of Chuck Norris's books. This was not his biography. His biography is uh, something named very similar. I can't remember what the actual name... Oh, The, secret, the secret of Inner Strength is his biography. This was a weird combo biography self-help book... Mm-hmm. story of how he found Zen called oh, The Secret Power Within. That must have be why I picked it instead of his biography. Which then. is different than The Secret of Inner Strength. Yeah. <laughs> no, say again, that's a biography and self-help book? Yeah. Oh, that explains it. That explains why I picked it. Yeah. Chuck Norris is assumedly an interesting man. I mean, not to get it back into those middle school jokes, He was, he's lived an interesting life. No, he has. And, yeah. like, there, there were, like... This book was actually not a terrible read, if I'm being completely mm. honest with you. Like, it was short. It was not as 
terribly lame as I was afraid it was going to be. Um, it like it was it was fine, but there were there were definitely some interesting things on here. Uh, Did it talk about the time that the little boy had AIDS? No. What? <laughs> Excuse me. Everybody, stop listening to this podcast and go search. Uh, when Walker, Texas Ranger, yeah. uh, has to uh, tell Haley Joel Osment in one of his first TV roles uh, that he has AIDS. Okay, we just watched that clip, and what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> what was that show? It was Walker, I'm... Texas Ranger. What do you want it to be? <laughs> no, like... I don't know anything about it. What was that show? It was uh, Chuck Norris as Walker, assumedly. Okay. That's oh, his Texas only Ranger, name. He's presumably. a Texas Ranger. And he <laughs> runs around being ass and kicking names or whatever. Why was there a child with AIDS? I don't understand the question. I don't understand. That's simple TV. I don't so, understand I don't, This is off topic. Show. This is off topic. But did you ever hear or see the show Jag? No. This is like, okay, we're spitting off into our new podcast, which is about shows that may not have originally appeared on the USA Network, but are totally the USA Network version of shows. There's a show called JAG, and it's actually the show that NCIS was spun off from. Many people don't know that, but NCIS was a spinoff of JAG. Was it about Mick Jagger? It was not. It was about uh, this very handsome guy. JAG stands for Judge Advocate General. And judge, so that, jury, executioner. Not quite. But uh, it is the military branch of uh, uh, justice. So like trials oh, and such. Okay. Courts martial. Uh-huh. Actually, well, actually used that time. Um, and so there's this very handsome guy. His first name is Mark, but I can't remember the last one because all I can think is Mark David Chapman. I'm pretty sure. He, I'm pretty sure he wasn't in it. Um, but there's this very handsome guy and he was a fighter pilot for the F-14 Tomcat. Oh. And then it, the, he was making a night landing on an aircraft carrier, and there was something that made his night vision wrong. Like, he got hurt. Okay. But only his night vision was affected. So he's still t- capable of kicking ass and taking names, but he can't fly planes anymore. Oh man. It's, it's in his blood. He's a fighter pilot. Yeah, so so he had to become a fighty boy instead? No, he's not a fighty boy. Oh. He's a lawyer. You That's know how lawyer? Boy. You know how lawyer is like your fallback option when you're a fighter pilot. Yeah, like, that well, makes sense. I went to law school, but I also want to be a fighter pilot. And now that I can't be a fighter pilot, I'm gonna be a lawyer. He must have been rich in the navy. Uh, and then he had a sort of psychic, Catherine O'Hara. I remember. No, that's from Gone with the Wind. That's yeah. What's her bucket? No, Scarlett O'Hara is from Gone with the Wind. Catherine Bell. Isn't Catherine, Catherine O'Hara the mom from Home Alone? No. Slash from Scrubs. Or not Scrubs. It is Scrubs. Yeah, yeah, she's from Shit's Creek. All right. But she's All not right. the one from Jag. All right. No, she's not the one from Jag because Catherine Bell was way hotter. Uh, shout out to Catherine O'Hara. She's a great actress and very, very funny. Oh, that dude uh, is pretty hot, huh? Yes. So I can't remember the dude's name, but he, he is like, imagine the squarest head you've ever seen. And the 90s haircut you've ever seen. Yeah, that's a very 90s haircut. His ears have a weird shape also. They do. I've never thought <laughs> yeah. about that before. He looks a little Star Trek-y. Um, she's hot too. Look at that bathing suit though. Yes, that's what I'm trying to say. She had gigantic knockers. <laughs> um, but she was a Marine and she was very businesslike. And she was also one of the uh, the lawyers in the show. <clears throat> uh, and I remember very weirdly and specifically that she had an impeccable internal clock. Like mm. She would always know what time it was and it was this running joke. But anyway... I have this theory that the show, if no one has ever seen the show Jag, then they're going to be just bored. But if you've seen the show Jag, this is going to very much make sense, I hope. I think the show Jag was uh, green lit. It's not on the US, or it's not from the USA Network, but it's definitely on it. Uh, it's that kind of show. Or TBS Superstation. Um, One of those, yeah. I yeah. get you. Um, I think it was green lit because A Few Good Men made a lot of money. The, sh- the movie with Tom Cruise. Yeah. Yeah, You Can't Handle the Truth. And they're like, oh, we need to do the Navy lawyer show. And then they greenlit it and cast it. And then they realize, holy shit, this is boring as hell. We can't have a show where we have lawyers lowering all the time. So this is a show about a fighter pilot who then became a lawyer as his fallback option and runs around shooting brown people and blowing stuff up. Like, 
It's it's the it's so stupid. I love that they're like, we can't have a show about lawyers luring. That would be too boring. Flash forward to 2022 when all of the shows are about lawyers lawyering. No, they're about lawyers doing other stuff. This is about a lawyer who goes on combat missions and kicks in the door and like flashbangs motherfuckers. Like it was the stupidest shit I've ever seen, and my mom watched it religiously. <laughs> of course she did. Oh, Jan. And so Jag is one of those shows that it's like she still watches NCIS. Yeah, it's a spinoff of NCIS because the main said. main squarehead got in, uh, uh, investigated for a crime, and so oh. Mark Harmon came on in as like, "Hey, I'm Mark Harmon. I was once the handsomest man, and I played football for UCLA." Uh, and then they he also has kind of a squarehead. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess it's accurate casting. It's a type, yeah, yeah. Um, and so that, anyway, what does Chuck this Norris? have to do with Chuck Norris? It was very a Texas Walker, Walker, Texas, Walker Ranger. Texas Ranger kind of show where Walker is a Texas Ranger, but also he's like going to Columbia to kick Pablo Escobar in the nuts type show. Yeah, like, that's fair. He's settling hostage disputes and stuff. Um, So for a book about Zen, can you describe right. this uh, opening page, all the fonts that um, are happening? All right. The secret power within is in nearly papyrus. <laughs> uh, and then Zen solutions to real problems is in the uh, sort of... Uh, Calligraphy-esque? No. Orientophilic? Like, mm. what's the word for that? Orientalism? Sure. Like, you're you're wrongly into trying to pretend to be Chinese yeah. uh, version of papyrus, where it's like, hey, these letters kind of look like they could be part of a Chinese c- mm-hmm. character. Uh, and then there's Chuck Norris in Times New Roman. Yeah. It's uh, it's it's quite the interesting font choice. I also want you to take a look Live, at laugh, all Zen of... Zang. All of the chapters. <gasps> Copyright 1996 by... Top Kick Productions. Top Kick Productions. He's more known for his roundhouse, frankly. There's uh, a lot of sections. There's a lot of chapters. Holy there's, shit, there's a second page. Yeah, there's a second page of chapters. <laughs> One page of chapters is a lot of chapters. There's a, a second chapters, page. chapters, man, when you think about it. Okay. Uh, Zen. Today that little word has been reduced to a kind of catchphrase that can be attached to everything from learning to use the internet to getting ahead in the business world. Can God. it? No, that that sentence is wearing, uh, like... Jenko jeans. Not Jenko jeans, but, like, those rectangular glasses that, like, sit really... Those really small rectangular yeah. glasses. And it has a braided belt. It has been detached from its original source so thoroughly that its meaning, at least for a great many people, has become a matter of personal conjecture. I doubt it would be quite u- used quite so often if people had to use its full name, Zen Buddhism. <laughs> like, okay, that's cool. Does Chuck um, Norris talk about getting rid of desire? No, Then not he's really. not talking about Zen Buddhism, dingus. So he kind of tells his story about how he got into karate. So he is a Korean war veteran. And while he was in Korea, he learned karate and he got his black belt while he was there. And he talks a lot about how like he went to. Are you sure it's karate and not just martial arts? He, he, he talks about it as karate. Oh. Um, the empty hand. But he talks about how, like, he was really young. He was, like, 18. He was already married and had a kid on the way when he went to Korea. The 1950s. <laughs> and, like, he, like, he he was not, he, like, he was very young and he didn't know anything about the world or himself. And, like, it was really good for him in the sense that it gave him, like, a really good physical and mental outlet and it, like, helped him learn discipline. And so he, he tip, talks a yes. lot about, like, this was what... The, Overall, like, these were some really good things for me about learning a martial art. And then he became a teacher and, like, opened a bunch of studios because he wanted to share that with other people. And so, like, that's sort of the core of his story. It was, like, this was really good for me in these ways that, like, make a lot of sense. And he wanted to share that with other people. why you would sign your six-year-old up for taekwondo. Absolutely. Like, need an outlet for your energy, teach you some discipline, help you focus. Want to win in a street fight. Yeah. Um, He also does get into, like, um, and I think this is very... Like, he gets into, like, well, the point is, like, I I can take somebody down, but the point isn't to. The point is to avoid the fight. Uh, and all, like, all of that kind of stuff that you hear a lot by people who are really into listen, martial arts. Listen, listen, listen. If somebody comes at me with a knife, I'm not going to be scared because I know how to handle it. Yeah. 
Oh, I hate that fucking... Oh, I don't even know what to describe it as, but I hate it. The I'm more prepared than you, yeah. so you're lucky I'm here kind of shit. I hate it. Yeah, there's there's definitely a lot of that. But I think, like, at its core, he's like, this is this was has been really good for my physical and mental health, and I think that everyone should Nerd. have an outlet like that. Like, which is great. Like, good for you. Great. That's awesome. Uh, there are Chuck some things, though, that are really funny. At heart, we all want the same things, whether we call it enlightenment, happiness, or love. Those are three different things. At heart, we all want the same thing. Three different things. We all want the same thing. Occupational fulfillment, relaxation time. Like, Like, those are Whatever you call it. Occupational fulfillment, relaxation time, or to win at sports. The same possible thing. All of those same things. All of those are the same thing. Okay. Uh, He says... Capoeira is a devastating self-defense system with emphasis on leg and headbutting techniques that was founded more than 300 years ago by African slaves and banned by the government for most of its history. Like, how is the government going to ban a martial art? You'd be surprised. It's happened before. Oh, really? I don't know about capoeira. Capoeira is known as a dance fight. Uh, Taekwondo that focuses more on, like, looking like a dance move. Hmm. Or whatever. But uh, yeah, the mar- the martial arts have been banned. Oh, that I didn't know. There's a popular saying about taking the time to smell the roses. It may not have the ring of a Zen aphorism. Somehow it's hard to imagine roses growing near a Zen monastery. But like so many old sayings, it's based on a truism of life. We walk by rose bushes, sometimes even entire gardens of those flowers, and we're aware in passing that they're beautiful. Maybe we even take the time to say so. Pretty flowers. What the saying Horses. What the saying wants us to do is take even more time, enough to stand still and actually smell them. In a sense it means we should take the time to see and understand what the roses really are, for without their smell, they'd be something else. <laughs> Why did we take a whole paragraph you know, to, to really break down stop and smell the roses? Nope. They'd be something else. <laughs> a rose by any other name smells just as sweet. All right. But it wouldn't be a rose. But a, a, a rose that smells not as sweet would be any other name. Would be, would be um, any other thing. I do like the idea of Chuck Norris slowly breaking down common aphorisms where he's like, now, no Zen <laughs> master will have any coffee. But sometimes it's important to wake up and smell the coffee. What we're suggesting is you need to get adjusted to reality. I don't know why all of his phrases have to do with smelling. <laughs> Do you smell what the rock is cooking may seem like an abstract idea that no Zen master would ever cook anything on a rock. But what Dwayne Johnson is asking is, do you see what I'm doing? (laughs) So he tells this story. Not long ago, after a hard day of filming my television series, I went alone to a small Texas bar for a cold beer. I was dressed in character for my role, scruffy and dirty from doing a fight scene in the dirt. I sat in a corner booth enjoying the country western music and savoring my drink. A man large enough to cast a shadow over the table towered over me and said I was sitting in his booth. He suggested with an edge to his voice that I vacate to make room for him and his friends. I didn't like the tone of his voice or the threat implicit in his suggestion if I failed to heed it, but I said nothing and got up and moved to another booth. A few minutes later, some of the stuntmen from the show arrived and joined me. And so eventually, like, the guy figures out that he's Chuck Norris and he comes over and he's like, Hey, you're Chuck Norris. You could have whipped my ass back there a few minutes ago. Why didn't you? What would it have proved, I said. He thought that over for a moment and then smiled and offered me his hand. No hard feelings? None, I said and shook his hand. I had avoided a confrontation and made a friend. I had won by losing. Well, I mean. No, it's like, he's not, like, he's not wrong. It's just like, that is, I feel like that's such a stereotypical, like, I'm into martial arts kind of story. I could kill you with my bare hands. Exactly, but but I chose not to. I had a student recently who uh, wouldn't get off the idea, was like, now, Dickinson, if I'm trained, if I'm like a trained fighter and we fight and you die, I can go to jail for manslaughter. Right? And the first thing I thought of was once upon a time in Hollywood that anyone who kills anybody on accident goes to jail for manslaughter. And so I said that. Mm -hmm. I said, yes, but anybody who kills anybody in a fight goes to jail. It's manslaughter. He goes, yeah, but if I'm trained, I'm like, and he wouldn't get through his head that that doesn't fucking matter, dude. You kill anybody in a fight. That's manslaughter, man. Yeah. And so it's nice to see Chuck Norris a little bit being like, oh, yeah, I'm trained. These hands are lethal weapons. (laughs) 
And it's good to know that the guy who needs to, I don't know, I can't remember, he, he doesn't do push-ups, he pushes the world down. Oh, really yeah. He understands the concept of it. We should have looked up a list of this. We should have. Do that now, look up a list of good check Yes, ma'am. Um, oh, a good list would be very short, but I'll look up <laughs> just a general list. So a lot of this book is Chuck I'm Norris. An incognito mode. Okay. A lot of this book is Chuck Norris. I love that you're opening in the incognito mode so no one that, yeah. looks that no one knows that you No, so Google this doesn't recommend this to me later. But then we're talking about it in a podcast. Although no one listens know. to this podcast. I don't care if people know. I just don't want the shit Look, that would come is. with the He algorithm. looks like Tim the Toolman Taylor in that picture. You are just face blind to white people. Okay, the two Jimmies are identical to each other. We can't go back to season one. It's been two seasons. They are, though. That guy looks like Tim the Toolman Taylor. He doesn't. He has the same color hair-ish and a beard. He's got a way bigger nose and way small. He's got way small eyes. Like, let's admit that about Chuck Norris. It might. Maybe it's just... Yeah, he does have small eyes. It's in this picture, too. Never mind. Okay. Uh... Anyway. Time waits for no man unless nope. that man is Chuck Norris. We gotta drop them in when they matter. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, so Chuck Norris spends a lot of time in this book talking about how Zen can't be defined, even though he wrote a book trying to define it. Well, did you know that Chuck Norris doesn't read books? He just stares them down until he gets the information he wants. <laughs> See, uh, that's how you do it. That's how we do it. Um, there's a couple of chapters in this about Bruce Lee. Uh, apparently mm-hmm. his, yes. his friendship with Bruce Lee was very important to Chuck Norris. He was very devastated when Bruce Lee died. Um, I, so was I. But unfortunately, Chuck Norris's tears cure cancer. Too bad he's never died. <laughs> or cried. Cried. Fuck. You ruined that one. Well, also, I don't think Bruce Lee died of... Maybe he did. I don't no, know. No, I don't think he did. He died unexpectedly of something. Like, it was very surprising. Well, it looks like... I read it in the book and then immediately forgot it because I don't remember anything anymore. Um, here is a story about Bruce Lee and Chuck Norris and their friendship sounds really great, but this would be the worst hotel experience of my entire life. We got to talking and found out we were staying in the same hotel and kept each other company as we walked back together. It was nearly midnight when we arrived in the hotel, but neither of us made it to bed that night. Instead, we worked out together in the hallway of the hotel, exchanging (laughs) techniques until seven the next morning. When we finally parted company, we agreed to get together again in Los Angeles because our dedication to the martial arts was mutual. His drive was to learn, to get better within himself. My drive was similar, but also to become a champion in order to get more students into my school. They worked out in the hotel in the middle of the night, all night long. Especially knowing Bruce Lee's penchant for being very, very loud. He's the the person we get the idea of. The worst Um, hotel experience of your life. You should know that Chuck Norris does not sleep. He waits. You're right. That's one I remember hearing a lot. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's see. If you label yourself... Oh, they, they, we do get some fun... Uh, not, and by fun, I mean not uh, ableism in this book. If you label yourself as handicapped, you are handicapped. And that's as far as you can go, Ted says. I am handicapable. Uh, very this, 90s. It's very 90s, and it's also this very, like sports person like athlete memoir self-help book yeah. kind of Keep thing grinding. of like it's all about your attitude and if you think you can't you're right and if you think you can you're right that's uh uh henry ford whether he, you think you can or think yeah. you can't you're right um he the does original know a, lame self-help book he does know a little something about uh uh reaching out to the disabled though because apparently according to this chuck norris can speak braille oh yeah yeah speak it yeah so it says um, enlightenment can happen one of two ways. Enlightenment can happen with decades of discipline and meditation, or it can just come upon you in a flash. <laughs> good. Yeah. Good uh, to know. Another good piece of advice from Chuck Norris is just eliminate all negativity. Anything negative that happens to you in your life, any negative thoughts, anything negative that other people say to you, like, just just don't have that. Stop just being don't, sad. Just don't have bad things happen to you. Um, just don't feel. Just don't feel bad thoughts. That's mm. that's the secret. A black belt doesn't stay black. With more years of use, it begins to wear away and fray, returning to its original whiteness as the master himself, through constant learning, finds the himself ready whiteness? to. The master. Would you like me to read it again so that you can listen? I was. Li- I thought I heard whiteness. <laughs> you did. 
But a black belt doesn't stay black. With more years of use, it begins to wear away and fray, returning to its original whiteness as the oh. master himself, through cons- through constant learning, finds himself ready to begin once again. I am sorry. I was reading Chuck Norris facts. I know. Maybe you should listen to your co-host instead. Yeah, but then who do Chuck Norris facts? <laughs> Eileen, simple question. I'm leaning about it. Uh, when, this was kind of funny. When I was in high school, I thought that some of my teachers, who were probably only in their 30s, were ancient. Yeah. Later in the Army, I was surprised to discover that some of the officers, many years my senior, were able to stay up with the younger troops during harsh physical trainings. I realized then that age is really relative. No matter what the chronological age is, a person who has maintained body and mind properly can still remain youthful. Mm. I know many young people who are old before their time and many old people who seem eternally young. Occasionally, I take down from my tape library films of some of the most remarkable old men I have ever seen. Ew. Yeah. I'm um, talking about some like modern uh, or some old martial arts masters and Zen practitioners who give him inspiration. Um, People who are old before their time might as well have a parenthetical that says Susan and Mick after it. <laughs> yeah, I know. I feel like my voice sounds really raspy yeah, too. I don't know. It's almost like we've been a... sick for like a month. Yeah. Um, I've had a recent realization dream. about getting old. Okay. Now that we're either 30 or almost 30. And it is never that you feel older. There are just more people who are younger than yeah. you. Yeah, and and I feel like we work in in places where the people that are younger than us are constantly put directly into our line of vision. Yeah, <laughs> there uh, are the entry level teacher. I guess the first year teachers this year uh, were graduated the year I started teaching. Yeah. So my my um my some of my student employees who were seniors in college this year were not born when nine eleven happened. Oh. Honey. Honey. Oh, I know you get that all the time because you work with students that are younger than mine. But like, yeah, anyway. Um, But at the same time, I was born the year my closest friend at work graduated high school. So I feel like at one point we were the young people. Yeah. And then we got old. And then we turned into this. Anyway. uh, I'm a grandmother. (laughs) So here's, here's some advice. Some of this is decent advice. A daily regimen of exercise to keep the body supple, limber, limber, and in good tone. Um, For children, it's just, like, play sports and be active. And then for adults, like, find something that you enjoy that's just, like, good, light, regular exercise. Like tennis or golf or bicycling. Do occasional workouts in the gym if possible. That's that's pretty good advice. (laughs) So good that it's not really advice. No. (laughs) Everything in moderation. Eat simple but nourishing food at each meal and never eat until sated. Allow for quiet time at some point during the day. Regardless of your age, cherish the company of good friends. Be open to learning new concepts and ideas regardless of your age. Don't be judgmental. Listen to your heart. Attitude is everything. Accept things as they really are and adapt to them. Admit your errors. There are no excuses for failure. (laughs) Don't let material things possess you. Retain an open mind. Continue to make new friends. Like it, they're all kind of like the first one of like, it's, it's so big picture so that it can apply to everyone. Then it's like, sure. Yeah. Good advice. That's not even really advice. It's just like, here's some things that are good. Yeah. Try sleeping the right amount. Um, I will say, I still think I got more self-help out of that than I did out of Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich. I mean, I definitely got more out of that than Henry the Henry Ford's Ford. Anti-Semitic. Yeah, because yeah, Chuck Norris is at least like, try to do some exercise sometimes and hang out with your friends. Like, th- sure, I'll cool take Chuck that. Norris. That's fine. Uh, the thing that I want to end with is how this book ends, with is with, which is with a Chuck Norris profile, including tournament history of tournaments that he won, it spans several pages, films he was in, and then his one television show, which he was still filming when this was written. And I just love that it ends with a Chuck Norris profile. That is very nice. Yeah. I got him confused with a second for with uh, Kung Fu's actor, which I should Jackie have... Chan? No. Jackie Chan is from China. Kung Fu is a white guy. David Carradine. Oh, I don't. I, I thought you meant like the martial art, not that there was a movie named that. Jackie Chan doesn't do Kung Fu. Well, I was trying to supply a name for you, and that was the first one that came to my mind. Hmm. Mm. I don't know you movies. Have a, you have a lot to learn about martial arts. I have a lot karate. to learn about movies and television. Karate. Neither of which I watch. As Archer said, karate, the Dane Cook of martial arts. 
But then he also lists Krav Magal as the real one, so he's trying a little too hard. But anyway, all in all, it's fine. All right. Uh, speaking of which, Susan? Yeah? Care to ask me any questions? Nick? Yeah? How was the president is missing? Yeah, it was fine. Ah. Yeah, well. Um, as is we- Bill Clinton a really good writer? I wouldn't know. He didn't write this. <laughs> is James Patterson a really good I writer? I wouldn't know. He didn't write this. <laughs> uh, which now begs the question, did they each have a ghostwriter? Did James Patterson's ghostwriter and Bill Clinton's ghostwriter have to get together and ghostwrite this? My guess is that James Patterson came up with the idea and the Clinton Foundation paid for it. And so they both got to put their name on it. Ah, the Clinton Foundation. Nothing nothing controversial about that. (laughs) Um, So we have the president is, is missing from James Patterson and Bill Clinton. And James Patterson known for his, I don't know, uh... Thriller ish. Jag like books. I know. The only ones that I've ever read the are. USA Network of Books. Of the, oh my yeah. God. Now we've got a theme. He's got I the know. USA Network of Books. He really does. The only ones I think I've ever read were some of the early Alex Cross books that I read when I was in high school. Um, and they're like, I mean, detective thriller, very. Wait. Copy paste kind of thing. What's the one? Ewan Higgins is that the one with the the Irish boy who knows that fairies are real? What? You don't know what I'm talking about? No, I have no idea what you're talking about. Higgins? Are you talking like Mary Higgins Clark? No, uh, fairies are real. <laughs> uh, Artemis Fowl. Oh, okay. <laughs> Ian Colfer, way off. <laughs> <laughs> but I will give Google this. The <clears throat> internet game there i don't know ewan and fairies are real got me to artemis fowl so good for good for that i remember seeing these books around a lot in elementary and middle school but i never read them hey well i should have read more (laughs) ewan higgins because i could have read gay new york a study and there you go that'd be good oh i think he's bad oh judging by oh no thanks yeah no thanks bye (laughs) bye um all right so, The President is Missing, written by both James Madison and Bill Clinton, um, is pretty great because if James Patterson had written this, I would have read it all and been like, okay, so I don't have anything to talk about. Mm-hmm. But the fact that Bill Clinton's name is attached is a an object of much discussion because the president is the main character now, naturally. Yeah. The president who will later, uh, spoiler alert, go missing. Is the president like a stand-in for Bill Clinton? Like he is well, he kind of an affable, like Southern guy? He is from North Carolina instead of Arkansas. Yeah. Um, Did he grow up poor? Arkansas, right? Yeah, yeah. Arkansas. Hope. All right. I was making sure it wasn't uh, Jimmy Carter, who's from Georgia. I can't fucking remember. What am I, a history teacher? Um. Anyway. Get this. Bill Clinton writes a book where the main character, a president, starts the book by... Getting almost, a blowjob. No, uh, good guess, but he wouldn't put that in the book. He is getting impeached. <laughs> he is almost certain to get impeached. Oops. Was this uh, written post-impeachment? <laughs> I would say yes. Um, luckily, the president is a, a troop and uh-huh. a troop with a disease. Oh, what yeah. kind of what kind of disease? He has a are we low platelet count for reasons ah. that I did not really care about. This sometimes read like a sequel because there was a lot that happened previous to the book starting about like I called the thing and there's a terrorist out there hmm. or whatever. And the terrorist is a uh, that's why he's being impeached because he called and uh, protected from a Russian raid. Or I'm sorry. An anti-Russian, pro-Ukrainian raid. This has a weird sort of like, ooh. Uh, they talk about the Donbas region of Ukraine being like a center in Georgia. So it's like, ugh. It's also, so this is Bill Clinton. He's Bill Clinton. I don't need to explain a lot about Bill Clinton, though yeah. I will later. But also, he's Hillary Clinton's technically, hu- legally husband. Legally, yes. And Just so, like Beyonce is technically Jay-Z's wife. I use that allegory all the time. <laughs> um and so I'm just going to come out and say it. The main villain of this book is, in fact, Russia for yeah. its hacking capabilities. Oh, good. And so we're going to get into a little bit more about the- how Bill Clinton is both just standing for his legal wife, Hillary Clinton, and also oddly sort of 
not great about Hillary Clinton in the same book. Yeah. So when <laughs> when was this book? I'm gonna like I'll look it up. When did this book come out? Okay. Twenty sixteen, whatever. Okay. Um. So the main villain is. Uh, I'm not great with my Turkish, but Suleiman Sindaruk. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he is, quote, a Turkish, he's, we later find out, practicing for his impeachment, though it is not written that he's practicing. Get used to that, because there's going to be a lot of, I don't want to say uh, that the narrator is uh, faking it. I can't remember the name for it. You can't count on the narrator. Unreliable narrator. Unreliable narrator. Thank you. Uh, that there's a, I don't want to say unreliable narrator cause that sounds in, intentional. Well, it's intentional, but that sounds like so that's a, a literary creative device. choice. Yeah, yeah. A literary device wherein the narrator does not know that they're wrong. Yeah. The author just stops telling like, uh, I'll get to it. I'll get to it later. But get used to it. By the way, this came out in 2018. I see. So Suleiman Sundaruk is a, quote, Turkish-born Muslim, is he not? He's practicing to be impeached. And so there's a guy acting as the the Speaker of the House that's questioning him. The president replies, he's Turkish-born, but he's not a Muslim. He is a secular extreme nationalist who opposes the influence of the West and Central and Southeastern Europe. The jihad he's waging has nothing to do with religion. And so, although I appreciate the recalcitrance to say, like, radical Islam or Islamic terrorism or whatnot, and I understand it, mm-hmm. this is still going to take a very, like, well, the Patriot is good as long as it's focusing on the right people kind yeah. of angle. As well as, this is a, don't worry, I'm still progressive, everybody, but I need to make my book have a Muslim terrorist in it to sell it. So, it's Yeesh. not because he's Muslim. And so, it's just sort of uh, walking a very awkward tightrope. Uh, and then he continues this this charade of a questioning. Uh, well, Mr. President, with all due respect, no, I interrupt. When you begin a question by saying, with all due respect, it means you're about to say something that doesn't show any respect. You can think whatever you want, Mr. Speaker, but you should show respect. If not for me, then for all the other people who dedicate their lives to stopping terrorism and keeping our country safe. We aren't perfect, but we never will, and we never will be, but we never stop doing our best. I love the security state, and I love what it does. The troops. Respect not just the troops, but the NSA, the CIA, the FBI. We love them all, folks. The shadow troops. The shadow troops. The keyboard troops. Uh, Read Reign of Terror by Spencer Ackerman. Just do that. That was a good book. It was. Um, kind of infuriating and Oh, sad. yeah. It's like Color of Law where you're like, this is very interesting and I'm fucking furious. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is very funny. It never mentions what side the president is on. Because like, I wouldn't want Democrat or yeah. Republican. Uh, it never mentions parties. It's always my side or the other side or the other side of the aisle or whatever. Uh, but the president wants an assault rifle ban and minimum wage increase soon. So we can make some assumptions. Yeah, and so it's like, get some fucking balls, James Patterson. Yeah. What did you think a Republican wasn't going to read this because it said Democrat in it, but Bill Clinton wrote it? They're going to yeah. be like, I was into it before Bill, well, because Bill Clinton wrote it, but then it said Democrats are better. So Yeah, so I'm not going to read any more of that James Patterson uh, shit. To get into my just political science interest, uh, this president has a 55-45 Senate. And it's like, bud, you're fucking doing terrible. Yeah. 55-45? A 10-point difference? That's shit. You are, you are a useless person right now in this office. You should be impeached. Um, and the House is, is technically, uh, I think the House is, uh, Republican under this, this Democratic president, but I'm pretty sure he's in the midterms have passed. And so it's like, bud, if you were president for two years and lost the Senate by 55, 45 and the House, a Democrat can't carry the House. Like this is not Obama and his sixth year type stuff. This is this president's second year midterms. And it's like, dude, you must be a shitty fucking president like Joe Biden to lose the House and Senate. Isn't that what's probably going to happen this year? Yes. Yeah. Um, I'll get back to some other ones. I did have to go. I did have to write, go already. 
in this uh Yeah, notes. you were struggling with this one. At one point, you had been reading for so long that I was pretty sure you were going to finish your book before me. And you were like, I'm only at 40%. It's not really that long of a book, but you can tell you're like, this is a jag-ass, Walker, Texas Ranger-ass, USA Network-ass book where the president is going to shoot some fucking terrorists with a gun. Mm-hmm. And is that so- what happened? Once. This very USA Network, they didn't have the budget for him to shoot more people. There's one action scene. I love it when books run out of money. Yeah. There's one action scene where the president does, in fact, shoot some people with a Sig Sauer. I wasn't, or no, it's a Glock 9mm. I I was going to say, I feel like you can always tell kind of what era these kinds of books were written in based on the guns. Yeah, no Uzis. It's AK 47s and stuff. Mm. Um, And then there's a different CGI version where, or CGI scene where a helicopter blows some people up. Um, But mostly that's it. Uh, it does try to stick to the political intrigue, which is very, get this, uh, boring. Um, I will get back to some other stuff about why Bill Clinton writing this is very interesting. Uh, the president, at one point, I don't know if I highlighted it or not, because I eventually stopped highlighting it. Uh, shit. Stalker society problems. No thank you. Uh, oh, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Did you just lose the book? Gonna delete this part where it says all this. All right, so I did lose this book to the fact that the library <laughs> took it back. Um, so I can't read any quotes, but that's fine, because I was basically out of quotes after the whole respect the shadow troops. Um, at one point, he... its You ever seen the movie Dave? Mm, no. You should. You would like it. It's a very mom movie. <laughs> yeah. And, like, that's not an that's, insult. No, I that's, like it, too. That's, what I, that's the kind of movie that I like. I'm a mom! I like it, too, yeah. but it's a very mom movie. Yeah. The movie Dave, the president, uh, gets doesn't want to do a speech, so they hire an impersonator to do the speech. Is Look, his name Dave? Yes. Um, he's played by Clevin Klein, who plays both roles, obviously. Uh-huh. Very Prince and the Pauper-ass shit. Yeah. Um, and then during this speech where Dave is pretending to be the president, President Mitchell, if I remember correctly, uh, the president dies or uh, has a major stroke and is now incapacitated, but they don't want to admit it yeah. uh, because then the vice president, who they're trying to frame for some scandal or another, will become president and they yeah. don't want that. So they have Dave continue to fake being the president. And it's all in good fun because he's supposed to be their stooge, but then he sneaks out and is able to fake not being the president and slowly realizes, like, what are they going to do? Say I'm not the president? Like, yeah. everyone thinks I'm the president. It's a very good movie. But anyway, the first, like, third of this book, uh, after the first 15% and up until the first, like, or the the 35% book, so 20% of it, is the president just sort of going out into society because he's got to find these fucking terrorists, bud. Yeah. Um, but it's very Dave because he's just going around with this weird beard and a baseball cap and he's visiting people and, like, talking to a starlit friend of his dead wife's and she's putting makeup on him. And- oh, his wife's dead? Yeah, we'll get back to that one. Okay. Um, and then uh, it's like, bud, you're going to shoot some fucking terrorists at some point. Like, why are we talking to this Hollywood starlet who never comes up again? So there has to either be a prequel or Bill Clinton wanted to write in a, a fantasy friendship with, like, God, uh, it could very well Sigourney been. Weaver, assumedly, it because she's very in well Dave. could very well have been that one. She's, in, she's the wife yeah, in so Dave. so it's got to be her. The first wife, she's the first lady in Dave. Um, but while he's daving about in Washington, D.C., he finds a homeless man on the side of the, the street, uh, who he immediately recognizes as a Gulf War veteran, because President Troop is a Gulf War veteran. He was taken hostage, John so McCain So he style. actually recognizes this person, or he just, like, knows on some intrinsic level, like, He knows on some intrinsic level, like, this yeah. is a Gulf War veteran. Uh, and he begins talking to this Gulf War veteran, and the president of the fucking United States bemoans the fact that he can't do anything about it. It's like when Joe Biden tweeted about how someone should cancel student loan debt. (laughs) He's like, oh, man, I I can only do so much. I wish I could do something about it. It's like, bro, fucking Jesus. Someone should do something about this, says the person with power. I will use my charity... Uh, my individual charity to help this homeless man, but I will not move the levers of the state. I'm not going to gonna use my actual institutional power. Later, a black man has Kinda been does seen, sound like uh, quote unquote, resisting arrest, and he gives a shout out to like, "Oh, I'm just seeing this situation now, and I don't know anything about it. I'm sure some people are seeing the black man resisting arrest, and I sure hope the cop doesn't draw his weapon. But what can I do? I'm pretending not to be the president. What am I supposed to do? Walk right in and say I'm the president?" 
Dang, that sure is a tough situation. I like I I'm so sad that I lost the quotes to this, but I'm I'm not kidding you. I know that most cops are good people just trying Boy, to do their jobs. Gross. And a few bad are really ruining their like he literally gives that spiel. So he takes a few rotten apples. Spoiler much. Um he's taking time out of his shitty USA movie USA Today. No, that's the it's also USA Today ass book, but the yeah. USA movie of the week ass book. Uh, to then just do random ass Bill Clinton platitudes, yeah, uh, which are in then and now useless. I mean, we both had a lot of platitudes in our books, but I would rather have the Chuck Norris platitudes of like have friends, drink water. Like, yeah, sure, um, that's actually vaguely useful. A woman gets off a plane that is the uh, war or is an assassin come to kill. You're led to believe him, and she is written. I could not picture anybody else but War from the Good Omens Amazon Prime Oh, yeah, Prime yeah, yeah, yep, yep. Um, she's wearing a red hair wig, but she's hot or whatever. Nobody knows her name. She's only known as Bach because she always listens to classical music in her earbuds. And we get to read every single time from her third-person perspective of what she's listening to and what version of it. And it's fucking get over it. Okay. Is there a playlist at the end? I don't know. I would look now, but I lost the book. Um, and so then it cuts to the VP, who's a woman, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so progressive. Who is? <laughs> I don't know when I'm gonna bring it back, so I have. I think I have to do it now. The woman VP was the leading candidate in the primary before this. I can't even remember his fucking name. It's like Jonathan. Uh, Jefferson, some shit like Jefferson Davis, like ass Mitchell whatever like President Whitey name yeah President um, White Man Mitchell yeah um and so this woman was leading in the polls and then he had like a really good debate and he shot up or whatever and so she was in the lead and resents him for taking it away from her but is serving as her VP and it's like bro why you- didn't she have why didn't he write her as serving as the Secretary of State <laughs> like bro your wife your wife, more or less, was not asked slash would refuse to have been Barack Obama's VP. <laughs> like, yeah. Come on. And so it cuts to the scene. I'm going to go with probably was not asked, but you're right. If well, she had been, I do the, think she would have refused. Given the this virulent racism and Islamophobia she used to try and snatch that primary back, uh, yeah, she probably was not asked. Yeah. Um, but then, hilariously... Uh, <laughs> uh, this assassin scene happens, and then we cut to the president, the vice president, in her room trying on like pantsuits and practicing, uh-huh. uh, practicing, uh, saying like, "What? What's that?" And uh, like, "Hi, I'm your president," and whatnot in the mirror. And so we're led to believe that the vice president is trying to get the president killed. Which, from the fact that it comes at like thirty, forty-eight percent, whatever, you're like, "Well, it's not her." Yeah. But still, it's Was like, this bro, do you, is my fight song playing like, bro, in the background. Do you know who your wife is? <laughs> do you know the life that she lived? Um, which brings us to our second reason why it's very fun. The second of three reasons why it's very funny that Bill Clinton wrote this book. Yeah. President's wife is dead. Bill Clinton yeah. wrote President, this book. President's wife is dead. And he spends a lot of time reminiscing over how much he loved her and how terrible it is to be president without his wife who died. And it's like, this is stopping sounding tragic, and it's starting to sound aspirational, Bill Clinton. I wish <laughs> I wish my wife was... No, no! <laughs> I love my wife very much, and then she died, and I'm really sad about it. But I'm still president, and it's like, oh, Bill Clinton, you can't really write about that. Oh, you're, no. you're still Bill Clinton. <laughs> oh, no. And the last thing that makes Bill Clinton uh, very funny that he's the president, and I lost the highlights for it, but there are numerous <laughs> scenes that spend too long talking about feet. <laughs> were there were there any interns? <laughs> uh, none specifically mentioned, no, but uh, it mentions him at home with his mother and sp- specifically mentions how he would give foot rubs to his mom when she was grading their homework. And it specifically mentions that when the assassin gets off the plane, she takes off her high heels and gives herself a foot rub. And not like she gives herself, or her feet were sore from the high heels or whatever. Yeah. It's like she worked her fingers between the toes and rubbed the ball of her foot to really. Not just like she took her shoes off and rubbed her feet. Yeah. And 
end sentence. Later on, it's like she stepped with the high heels loudly or quietly mm, a bunch. And so it's oh like, no. Bill Clinton, you can't be writing this much about women's feet without somebody noticing. Uh, and then to end the Hillary Clinton parallels, uh, fucking A, it ends with this huge speech about how evil Russia is for hacking into all their shit. Or not this huge speech. It ends with a d- different dumb huge speech. Uh... And so uh, it ends with him yelling at Russia about, you evil hackers, stop trying to, you know, ruin our democracy, shit like that. And it's like, you can't, you can't write a book about a president who loves the fact that his, or loves his dead wife, Mm -hmm. hates his female vice president. Yeah. And that Russia is the bad guy for hacking everything. And be Bill Clinton. And be Bill Clinton, yeah. The plot of this book, to get back to that one, is <laughs> the president know or it knows that there's this terrorist out there who's doing stuff, and they're mostly cyber terrorists. Um, but there's like this lady that wants to meet with him about dark ages, and it's this code word, and I don't give a shit about that part. But basically, their secret terrorist idea is through the Internet of Things, which is a bad idea, I will admit, that they have created a virus that infected everything that has ever been connected to the internet which mm. is not not possible. really possible because like a fridge's os is not windows <laughs> like yeah or whatever um and i would love to see someone try to hack into like the chicago public school stuff that's still on like uh or mc dose or whatever yeah. ms dose but like everything that's ever been connected to the internet has now been hacked and has a sleeping virus on it that is going to wake up on Saturday in America and they don't know when that is, but it's Saturday in America and it's this Saturday that the book takes place, which would be a stupid coincidence, but that would also be a really stupid book if it wasn't yeah, that Saturday. Yeah, if it Saturday. wasn't yeah. that Saturday. So to be fair, it's Like that the Saturday. book starts with like Monday and you're getting closer uh, and closer to it Saturday. It Thursday. You're getting closer and closer to Saturday and then Saturday goes by and nothing yes, happens. Yes, it wasn't this Saturday. Yeah. Um, and so this virus, they're planning on it uh, basically destroying the internet. What's America going to do without the internet? And oh, they do raise a pretty good point about, like, you don't literally have any money anymore. Like, yeah. all of your money is a number that's on an internet somewhere. Yes. Your house deed may be a piece of paper, but the bank won't believe you if it doesn't have its records. Yeah. Uh, healthcare runs, like, Epic runs on internet now. Yeah. Like, and with, All of your with, health records are... And, hilariously. All of your educational records are online. Yeah, hilariously, they're like, what are you going to do? Go to a hospital and get treated? Fuck no. And it's like, Bill Clinton, fuck yes, you can that's the one thing your wife did try to do I, I <laughs> when was, she was first lady. I was actually going to say, did, did he solve the homelessness problem? Uh, yeah. If only. If only. Um, and so that is a, a not terrible terrorist plot. It's a little bit different. Nothing's getting blown up. Mm. But the idea is basically that America would be set back to 1970 uh, plus some because like all the stuff that we become accustomed to is not there anymore. Yeah. Like we don't have the ability to pay with credit cards. Nobody has enough cash anymore or whatever. So like that would fuck the country up for a while. Absolutely. And then even the president's like, yeah, but we just recreate the internet. Like it would destroy all these computers, but we just make new internet. And they're like, yeah, but how long would that take for? Sure. And he immediately is like, then Russia would send nukes. I'm like, no. is that the next step? Like. Like, no. this whole thing was, like, a sophisticated cybercrime. Yeah. Why did you immediately launch into, well, but the nukes? The, yeah. And so the idea would be, like, the military also runs all of its shit through the internet. And so it turns out that it wasn't the Russians' idea. It was actually Saudi nationalist idea, but not the actual royal family of Saud. Uh, they're cool and good with us. Yeah, they're, so they're good, good allies. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's the ones that are trying to fight that royal family of Saud that tried to do it because they want America out of the Middle East. And obviously anybody who wants America out of the Middle East must be sire terrorists. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so they figure this all out through basically, I don't know, two people who are like, well, I didn't know that I was doing that bad of stuff that want to fix it. And so he has to figure out who the mole in the White House is that, gave them the code word to get his attention and you're supposed to think it's the vice president and you're so supposed to think that it's the vice president that you know it's not the vice president. Yeah. It's like, what if someone's name was, hi, my name is Red H. Ehring. <laughs> um, and so she's a shitty vice president who wants him to be impeached so she can become vice president or whatnot uh, because she's a woman. 
Yeah, because she's a yeah. stand-in for Hillary. But <laughs> the secret is the got the one that he thought was his rock the whole time. Oh, and so no. you're like, oh, well, it's that one. Yeah. Uh, his chief of staff. Ooh, it's always a chief of staff. Just like in also Scandal. a woman. <gasps> Those women in politics, yes. they're treacherous. Yes. Uh, the FBI director is a black woman, so therefore the FBI is not bad anymore. Oh, yeah. Uh, but she's trustworthy. Um, and so they solve the thing. They're typing into a computer, and they solve it. Uh, he does at one point, uh, while he's trying to do all this other stuff, it's basically trying to represent, look how many plates the president has to spin at any given time or whatnot, keep spinning at any given time. And so the leader of Al Qaeda in Iraq and the leader of some other fucking terrorist organization are meeting in an elementary school with their families. And he has to decide if we drone them or not. Oh, Jesus. And he's like, if I don't drone them, then I might lose the chance to kill them both at the same time. And how? who knows how many Americans will die. But if I do drone them, seven I'm children will die. I'm droning children. Yeah. And then he drones them. Ugh. Uh, yeah. Um, and it's like, dang, these hard decisions to murder people from the sky. Uh, and then later, there's a Russian ambassador who comes, and he's like, that's the butcher of Crimea who killed men, women, and children. Anyway, back to droning people from the dr- sky. You know, when uh, Trump does it, it's evil, but I th- I felt bad about it before I pushed the button, so I'm a good person. Exactly. Um, My FBI director's a woman. <laughs> Hire My more a woman. female border guards. <laughs> um and so it ends uh, with him giving his sort of uh, joint session of Congress where he's basically exposing his chief of staff for doing all of this and exposes his vice president for trying to get him impeached and imposes the, exposes the secretary or the uh, Speaker of the House at the joint meeting of Congress because he, he, he solves it and everyone loves him for it and exposes this this. Speaker of the House for trying to wheel deal backdoor his daughter onto the Supreme Court. That'd be a hell of a day on Twitter. Yeah, and he's like, my my approval ratings have never been higher. I'm trying to move us to a post-partisan era or whatever. I'm like, this is the fucking stupidest speech I've ever read. Do you know what happened in real life it was there, if there was an attempted cyber, massive cyber hack that the president solved with the password and told everybody, hey, this is the password so you won't get hacked. And so there wasn't ever actually a hack. Mm-hmm. Not fucking that. Sean Hannity no. goes on that night and is like, oh, the president pretends that he solved something. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just, this was written in 2018. If it was written in 2008, yeah. I'd accept it. But, like, we knew better. You know better, Bill yeah. Clinton. Especially Bill well, maybe Clinton. maybe you don't. Well, you should. You yeah, spent enough time on Little St. James to know better. Um, but... The one thing I have the most to say about this book, and it's the the unreliable narrator thing, let's make a rule that you get one conversation that does not happen on screen that's pro- plot relevant. Like, yeah. And then she told me something that made me gasp. There's at least a dozen. Oh, that's annoying. Like, and then she filled me in, and then the next scene starts. And it's like, you can't keep doing this. Yeah, you can do that once, maybe twice, but that can't be like a consistent. So it's not an unreliable narrator, and I know I don't want to be that asshole on on Twitter or Tumblr that's like a protagonist should never know more than the reader. That's not fair. But it's shitty. Like don't keep doing it. Yeah. Like choose your moments, Bill Clinton, and that's a lot to say. Bill Clinton does not choose his moments particularly well. No, in writing or in life. Yeah. Man. Do you know what's really fun? What's that? I'm done with the book. But do you know what's really fun is to be a teacher that has to teach high school students about the Lewinsky scandal because it did make a huge impact on the way the media treats the president. Absolutely, Like, the way we see the media. No, you you have to talk about that. And every year, somebody, not me, like, I'm not kidding, that's not sarcastic, not me, slips up and calls it the oral office, and that's the rest of the class. (laughs) And it's funny every fucking time. But do you know what happens the next day? We talk about 9-11. Oh, no. And so the way I do every class is I start by talking about, hey, here's what we did yesterday. So here's Watergate. Remember, this is the impacts of Watergate. Here's the Lewinsky scandal. Here's the impacts of the Lewinsky scandal. And then they start giggling again. Oral office. Come on address. We don't talk about the come on address. But I do use the word blowjobs and blowies because yeah. what are you going to do? Say oral sex every time? Yeah. And then I'm like, anyway, 9-11. <laughs> Wait, do you not talk about the 2000 election? <laughs> no. What am I going to, like... 
I don't want to get fired and to say fair. that. Okay, I fair. don't want to say the Brooks Brothers riot delivered in topics of government. I did point out that Amy Coney Barrett, Kavanaugh, and Gorsuch all worked on the Bush Gore case. Yeah. And all went and to the same fucking high two school. Two of the three went to the same fucking high school. Yes. Uh, so I, I can only do so much. Uh, right now I'm working on the Sixth Amendment is not being respected. So let me proselytize. Let me propagandize in peace. Thank you very much. Mick just subtly plays like solidarity forever in the background. No, I talk to the kids who fucking hate Joe Biden and the Democrats but have been arrested. Yeah. About how shitty the justice system treats people. And they're like, yeah. Anyway. Uh, that'll do it for this week on Bibliovile. Uh, the Clintons are awful and a unique brand of American evil. Uh, Chuck Norris is a more obvious brand of American, just sort of shittiness. He's, I don't know. I don't even think so. I think Chuck oh. Norris is fine. <clears throat> I don't really know a whole lot about Chuck Norris. Are, this are, book let, was let fine. This, this book oh, no, was fine. Was let yeah. me put it this way. Chuck Norris is a real big, like, participation trophies kind of guy. Okay. Why do the LGBT got to have so many letters? Okay. Well, then, guy. no. No, thank you. But, like, that in, sort of thing. in the, this particular snapshot of Chuck Norris was harmless. I'm going to give Haley Joel Osment AIDS. That sort of thing. This was, this particular snapshot of Chuck Norris was fine. <laughs> the last one. Whatever. <laughs> so that's going to do it. We thought this was going to be a short episode, but then we had to talk about the Clintons. Uh, so my name has been and frankly probably will continue to be Mick Dickinson. You can find me on Twitter at Diggy Ma before my wife interrupts me. <laughs> oh, oh, what's it like? Anyway, the Bibliovile uh, account can be found on Twitter at Bibliovile. You can find me on Twitter at Susan J. That's S with three U's, S A N J. The intro music to our podcast is Babe of the Night by the band Elixir off of their album Rampant. Electoralism is a sham. <laughs>